Have you ever been intimidated by the thought of sharing the gospel with a friend? Does it make you a little bit scared? And do you feel like all the pressure is on you? Well, after talking about the master and his men, Brian turns his attention to the mission and the method, telling others about Jesus and sharing the good news of the gospel itself. Welcome to FDC. Okay, so I stuck around last night and um, I watched Nelson. Yeah. So I had to call my wife. I was like, they're doing voodoo up here. Been praying over this place. Should have brought some sage to clean it. No, I, like, I thought, man, that was so cool. Where's Nelson at? I don't even, dude, thanks. That was awesome. I was thinking about this, like, Nelson learned some cool stuff, did he not? Or he was just born with it, like Harry Potter. I don't know how that works. But he wanted to pass that on, right? He wanted to share that with us. And did, was that fun? Like, he worked on his craft, witchcraft. <laughs> and then he passed it on. That's just a really normal thing. If you enjoy something, you're going to want to pass that on, right? If there's something that you love to do that you're, like, just stoked about, you're going to want to share that with other people. Um, I, like I said, I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, I spent a couple summers in Pasadena, uh, actually. <laughs> okay, shout out Pasadena. Let's go. Uh, so um, when I was in Pasadena the first summer, I never ate a fish taco. Because fish taco sounds weird, like, to me. Like, in Oklahoma, I'm growing up, and it's, like, beans, cheese, like, uh, like meat, lettuce, tomatoes. And I'm, like, throw fish in there, and that's just no. Like, you fry fish, and you, like, eat fried fish, like catfish or something like that. So the second summer, though, I tried a fish taco. And, y'all, it changed my life. <laughs> have y'all had fish? Have you heard of this? <laughs> It's not like lettuce and tomatoes and weird stuff. It's, that's not weird. That's really normal. Uh, it's cabbage. Now, you would tell me, Brian, fish and cabbage on a corn tortilla. Like, uh, th that is like, Brian, I would say that is just weird. Like, who's doing that? People in Baja, right, are doing that. And then they put this, like, amazing, I don't know what it is, like, white, it's not mayonnaise, because that's weird, but it's like, I don't know what it is. Don't tell me. I kind of don't want to know, uh, but it's just this wonderful sauce. That is amazing. And so I remember the first time I had it, it was like my like dove descends, right? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful stuff. So fish tacos. So the rest of the summer, guess what I'm eating? Have you had a fish taco? And I'm like telling people about fish Have you heard of Rubio's? Like, it's not the best, but it's still really good. <laughs> So I go back to Oklahoma, right? Go back to Oklahoma. And uh, I literally, I open a little phone book, because I'm old. And uh, I look through a Mexican restaurant, start with A. And I just call, and I say, do you have fish tacos? And they're like, no. <laughs> this is Oklahoma, sir. Just keep going. Do you have fish tacos? And every now and then, they would say, yes, we do. And I would say, how do you make your fish tacos? And they would say, uh, I don't know, uh, 
lettuce and tomatoes and fish, <laughs> click, right? So um, I began to tell people about fish tacos. Then I moved to Southern California. And every time my family comes out to Southern California to visit, guess what we're doing? Yeah, Rubio's. It's the best. So this is normal, natural. If there's something you love, you're going to want to share it with other people. And if you're a follower of Christ, if Jesus has changed your life, you're going to want to talk about it. You're going to want to share that with other people. This is just normal and natural. If someone, if you feel uh, ever um, minimized or ostracized for talking about your faith, man, just realize everyone's an evangelist for something, right? Whether it's fish tacos, USC football, or whatever it is. Sorry about everything. <laughs> Sorry. It'll get better. So, <laughs> but there's evangelists for, for, for everything. And so it's just natural if faith is, is something big to you that you talk about it. Um, so we're going to talk about, we're going to keep going in this, this uh, Great Commission thing. Uh, so yesterday we saw the, the 11 uh, disciples. And uh, that reminds us of what? The... Men, 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 the men, all right? It all starts with M's, the men. And then, so what was significant about the, these people? Nothing, right? <laughs> nothing. They're ordinary. You got it. They're ordinary. Nothing. What changed them? Jesus, right? That's a good answer for a church camp thing. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, uh Jesus, right? Like the master is the next thing, the master. So the men and the master. And we know, we know as you look at the master, here's what, here's what it looked like for them to follow the master. They made a commitment to follow. Um, then as they followed, uh, there was communication with the master. They heard from him. They talked to him. Uh, and then they were put in a community. And so that's what we talked about last night. Today, uh, we're going to keep going um, with this, uh, this big hype talk that Jesus gives before he ascends back to heaven. And so we're going to look at uh, the next verse, Matthew 28, 19. And Jesus gives the mandate. Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So this is a transition. Jesus had, had just told them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says, since I have authority, let me drop a command. And he says, go. And he gives them that command. Now, uh, I love this verse. If you've been a Christian for some time, you may have heard this. We talk about it. It's called the Great Commission because uh, it's a great and it's a commission. <laughs> so uh, the Great Commission. Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples. And, um, like, I, uh, I, I'm very, like, the way I want to follow Jesus, like, I, man, I want to go. I want to be active, right? Um, and you probably know some people like that that are, like, on campus, and they're always trying to talk to their friends. Like, there, uh, Nelson, there's a dude um, that I met at our ministry that does card tricks, like, crazy. And his goal is to meet three people every day. <laughs> like, he's in line. I kid you not, like, in line at the calf, and he's like, 
hey, what's your name? Can I show you a trick? And he's just out there and he tries to use it. And then he tries to like talk about Jesus. Like, it's crazy. This dude's awesome. Um, there's people like that. They're going. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And so I love this verse. It's a very motivational verse. Um, but I once, I, like, I've, I've, been, I've heard people talk about this verse. And so I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit on this. Um, but they would talk about the, the Greek behind this verse. So if you didn't know this, that, uh, whoa, here it over there. Hi. Uh, so the Bible, this New Testament part of the Bible was written in Greek and then translated into English. And um, so the word there for make disciples, there's a Greek word. It's like mathateo. You don't need to know that. Um, but uh, a lot of times I've heard people talk about this verse and they would say the main subject or the main verb in this verse is make disciples and it's not go. And actually, if you translated the, the verse, it would be as you're going, make disciples. And I've heard people say that. And I'm like, I don't like that because it's like kind of passive, right? So it was like, go make disciples. And we're all like pumped about it. And now it's like, eh, as you're going, like just disciple, <laughs> like casual disciple. Uh, like, and it just doesn't have the same feel, right? So I get to seminary and I'm learning this Greek stuff. And I look up this verse and it's like, there's one main verb. It's make disciples. And then go is like a participle, like as you're going. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, kind of sad. Because I'm like, I liked the go aspect of it, right? So can we just be sad real quick, like with me? Yeah, it's kind of sad. So then I get a job at California Baptist University, right? And um, Baptist. And uh, I work for a guy named John Montgomery, and he is the dean of spiritual life. Like, what kind of title is that? <laughs> dean of spiritual life. That means he's the most spiritual person on campus. <laughs> dean of spiritual life. And so he's my boss, and he's in my office. And we were talking about this verse, because I don't know, we're spiritual. And uh, so I'm like, you know, it's like as you're going, because make disciples is the main verb, and as you're going, you know, just kind of a side piece thing. Uh, he was like, oh, you don't remember the attendant circumstance form of the participle? <laughs> sure, I do, John. Can, just, can you repeat it? Just for everyone in here who doesn't remember it, it's just us. So he pulls off Wallace's Greek grammar. It's a grammar book from my bookshelf, which is embarrassing. <laughs> and he turns to page 642, which there's the problem, because who gets to page 642 in any book not named Harry Potter, right? Like, yes. Who gets there? I didn't. I never got there. <laughs> Ravenclaw? I don't know. Um, so, so he pulls it and he reads about the attendant circumstance form of the participle. And just to recap this, like, you don't need to know any of this, but let me just tell you the attendant circumstance form, it's a grammar thing. Like, just like how in English we have an understood you. Like, if I said, hey, come here, you know I'm saying, hey, you, right? Come here. I don't have to say you, like you just know it. It's just like how we speak English. Same way in Greek, there's like things that you just know if you're a speaker, right? So there's this attendant circumstance for the participle, and this is really like deep, but uh, like basically, if the participle 
precedes the main verb. So guess where the participle is? It precedes it. I gave you one choice, okay? <laughs> precedes the main verb. And if the participle is an imperative, which is a command, or an indicative, which is a statement, so, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm, it's, so this is an imperative, it's a command, all right? Uh, and if the uh, participle, there's one more, is in aorist tense, I gave you one choice, what tense do you think that's in? You, you guys are geniuses, I love it, USC, right? Um, and then, then, check this out, the participle is translated as a finite verb, with all, listen, 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 deep. With all the flavor of the main verb. So, so let, me, let me tell you what this means. It like transforms, it's like a transformer. And that participle turns into a main verb, just like the main verb. So if the main verb is a command, then the participle's what? It's a command. So any first century Greek speaker, when they heard Jesus say this, they wouldn't have heard, as you're going, make disciples. They would have heard, oh, that's the, they wouldn't think that. They would just know, like when he said that, oh, he means go make disciples. This isn't passive. I want you to hear this. This isn't passive. Jesus says, go make disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is just what we do. We are active. We are looking to talk to people. We are looking to interact, and we are looking to share the thing that has transformed our lives. We're looking to make disciples. He says, go and make disciples. So the mandate is to go. Um, go and make disciples. And then he gives us a method. And we're not going to go like all into this, um, but he gives us a method. He says, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So get this picture here. You've got, um, so he's, he's the, the 11, right? The 11. And they're all like just chilling, right? They're just chilling. They're there. They're having fun. They're up on a mountain, camp high. They just ate breakfast, right? Pancakes and sausages. And then they hid some food in the back. Did you guys see that? By the way, I'm a little salty about that. I didn't know until the end that they hid food. Like there was yogurt back there. No one told me, eating my little sausages and pancakes. And I don't know why I got there. Uh, so Jesus, so with the disciples, oh, they're at camp, yeah. Uh, and he's telling them, go make disciples, right? So think about, think about the 11, right? And they're stoked. Like, this is kind of like epic. This is their dude, right? And so Jesus pulls them together, and he's like, all authority, like they're up on a mountain. They're like, yeah, we love camp. And they're like, uh, all authority in heaven on earth is being given to me. Yeah, Jesus, you're like, you're the man. And uh, then he's like, I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're like, we love water. <laughs> teaching them. Uh, we love teaching to observe. We like obeying everything that I commanded you. And they were like, we did not take notes. <laughs> What? Everything you commanded? Like, everything? Peter's like, man, I, I, I kind of forgot the year one stuff. <laughs> and like, John and Matthew, they're like, we wrote it down. We were going to write books. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's like, oh, cool. Uh, 
teaching them to obey. Check this out. Not to just learn, right? Not to just learn, but to obey everything I commanded you. And that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, uh, let, me, let me make this statement here. Uh, when I look at that, uh, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, I think this discipleship, this idea of teaching others, and that's the method, um, the teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That, that's a slow, hard process. That's a slow, hard process, but it's worth it. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can probably think of mentors in your life, people that have helped you follow Jesus. And uh, it, you could probably think of a few that, I mean, you are just so grateful for. There are names and people and faces that stick in your head. That's what God wants you to be for someone else. Um, it's a slow, hard process, but it's worth it. Here's, uh, we see this in Scripture, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, great verse. Um, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, The things you've heard from me and the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will teach others also. So Paul's saying, hey, I have taught you some stuff. Um, it's this, uh, and that's the discipleship. Like, it, right, we're at fall, what? Conference, right? FD. FDC. FDC. Yeah, let's go. FDC. All right. See, it's just that we got to work on that ending still. Fall discipleship conference. And this is what discipleship is. Discipleship is passing on a way of living to someone else. And this is a historic thing. You've got like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. You've got the, like they had disciples. They passed on a body of knowledge and a way of living to their disciples, to their learners. It's just a natural, normal thing. Um, you see that uh, in, uh, in, in business, like you've got mentors that are like, they have little mentees, right? And uh, they're trying to help people learn how to uh, lead the company well. You, you see it in, uh, in your classes. In some ways, you are learners of your professors. And, and some of you may have professors that you really are like, man, I, I like this one. And you, you may take more classes from that one. Or you might uh, even want to do some extra research or internship or uh, different things like that. Uh, this is just the way of passing on knowledge. And Paul is saying, look, Timothy, what you've heard from me, pass on to others. It's the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus had 12 disciples, uh, 11 stuck around, that, that he uh, taught them how to pray, how to communicate with God, how to learn from his word. And he just continued to teach. It's a long, hard process, though. Um, you see it throughout Scripture, 1 Corinthians 11. 1, follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says, be imitators of me. Philippians 3.17, join in imitating me. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And that sounds, if you look at it, a little, can, let's just throw this out there. When you read that, could you picture yourself, some of you maybe I, like, are at this place, I don't know. Could you picture yourself telling someone else, hey, I want you to imitate me. Sounds a little, right? A little bit, right? Doesn't it? A little. Some of y'all are like, no, I'm, I'm solid. <laughs> okay. Here's the catch, right? And, and it's in the first one, right? Follow my examples. I follow the example of Christ. And that's, that's what it means 
to, to participate in what we call discipleship. It's telling people, hey, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. And if I'm not following Christ, don't, like, don't do that stuff. But as I follow Christ, the, the things, the way that I follow Jesus, it's kind of just worked for me. And I'm not perfect, but, but I got some ways of following Jesus that I would love to pass on to you. I would love to share with you. And so follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. This is the direction of a Christian. This is the direction of a disciple. So we talked yesterday about, yesterday about what it looks like to be a disciple. Now we're talking about what it looks like to pass this on. And so here's the process. I want to just show you what I, like, this is a process of growth. Um, first, wait, let me get to this. I got three things. Just like yesterday, I had three C's, if you remember. I don't know if you wrote it down, but uh, what it looks like to be a disciple. Um, we commit to Christ. Um, we're in communication with God. And then we're in a community. So I got three T's. You ready? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that almost sounded like mocking. <laughs> uh, so first, Jesus had a trajectory. He was going somewhere. So Jesus called people to follow him. He said, come follow me. Anybody remember what the next phrase is? And I will... Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. Jesus had a direction. If someone says, like imagine, uh, okay, this is one of my favorite stories in scripture. Uh, it's um, Mark 2. Mark 2. Jesus says to Levi, he says, Levi, follow me, right? Levi was a tax collector. And so Levi follows him. And guess where they go? This is crazy. They end up at Levi's house, Right? Now think about how ridiculous that would be. Like for me to say, hey, follow me. And we're walking and you're like, ah, sure. Okay, cool. And, and then we end up and I'm like, do you have a key to your room? Right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of creepy. Uh, follow me. Jesus has a direction that he's going. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And with Levi, what he's doing is he's helping Levi learn to talk about and to share the kingdom, the good news uh, with his friends. And so they have a party and Jesus basically talks to Levi's friends about what it looks like to follow him. Uh, so Jesus has a trajectory. He has a direction. If someone says, follow me, what's a logical clarification statement? Yeah, where, creepy person? Right? Where are we going? Jesus has a direction. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You are totally free to invite people to follow you as long as you have some clarification. As long as you know, I am following Jesus, come follow me. Man, you, you should feel 100% free to say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow me. Jesus had, had a trajectory. Get a trajectory. Know uh, where you're going. He, uh, man, he, he gave him a promise. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so what can we assume? If, if I'm sitting at Starbucks and I see someone uh, uh, fishing for men, <laughs> or if I see someone, uh, sounds kind of like <laughs> Tinder. Uh, so if I see, <laughs> if I'm at Starbucks and I see someone like trying to share like, uh, like who Jesus is, right? Fishing for people. That's what the idea is. Like I want to I want to invite you into following Jesus. If I see someone doing that, Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So if I see someone fishing for men, what can I assume? 
that's probably a follower of Jesus, right? Like, that might be a follower of Jesus. But if I follow someone around and they never fish for people, they never really talk about their relationship with God, what can I assume? I don't know if they're a follower of Jesus. This is just a natural response. If I follow Jesus, if it's something that's valuable to me, it's something I'm going to talk about. Um, I've heard this. I'm not a social, social scientist, but I've heard someone tell me this, uh, that uh, there's studies that say if you, uh, you're going to talk about the most important things in your life within the first four times of meeting someone. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. Like, yeah, my kids, fish tacos. Yeah, like, <laughs> so, yeah that's, that's probably. So the question is, within the first four times of meeting somebody, are, are you talking about Jesus? And if not, is he really that important to you? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. There's, there's a direction. There's a, there's a trajectory. So there's a trajectory. And then the next thing, followers of Jesus, um, like Jesus, there's a trajectory. There's a, there's the next one is a, there's a transformation. Followers of Jesus are marked by changed lives, a transformation. Um, here's, here's just a broad overview of transformation. And there's a lot of ways that you can um, illustrate this, uh, but this is something that we, we talk about a lot in my ministry. Um, so Jesus said, go make disciples of you know, all the nations, right? So we start with the world. Um, it's kind of a cool picture. I don't know. The sun. I don't know. Um, so the first step of, of, of this process of transformation, we call it evangelism. These are all going to be E's. So evangelism. It's the first step. Uh, and so evangelism is just sharing uh, who Jesus is, sharing the truth uh, that you can have forgiveness of sins and relationship with God. Uh, Mark 2.17, Jesus, this is one of Jesus' big things. It's not the healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus spent time with people um, who were kind of on the outskirts or on the outside, uh, people who weren't like the super religious people, because he wanted to see uh, how he called it, uh, the, the sick get healthy. He wanted to call the, the sinners to repentance. Um, so that first piece on evangelism, by the way, let me point out, there's a book table over here. Have y'all seen that? That's like massive. I like, where do you keep those, Neil? Like, oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have room for that. Uh, so, um, there are some great books. So on the, on the process of evangelism there, um, I just saw one over there that I thought, man, this would be a really good one, uh, How God is Good Enough um, by Andy Stanley. So if you're like in this space where you're like, man, I am just starting out on this journey. Like I'm interested. I'm not all in. Um, there's, that's a book. Neil, Neil lives with these books, so you could ask him. Uh, there might be some really good ones over there on, on just that like first step. Like I am just growing or thinking about like taking that first step. I'm not sure, um, but there's some really good books just about the beginning of the process. Um, who God is, uh, hey, like, hey, I get you're not totally in, but so that, that one, I think they had several of those. Uh, how good is good enough? And so the question that that book answers is, how good do you have to be to be a follower of Jesus, to, to, to be accepted by God? Good question, right? So I'm not gonna tell you the answer. You can buy the book. <laughs> So evangelism, that first process. And, and through that process of evangelism, we see someone come to Christ. 
And, um, and so someone becomes a ND, it's not Notre Dame, because we're not a fan right now, right? No, bad. Um, it, it's, it's new disciple, okay? New disciple. So someone becomes a new disciple. They're a new follower of Jesus. So that first process, become a new disciple. So you can think about this, like, where are you on that map? You can also think about this as where are people that you want to be, uh, you want to help, um, grow in this. So th- there might be some people in your life that you want to think, man, how can I really communicate who Jesus is in a way and, and learn how to do this like evangelism thing. So the next process is establishing. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, so then just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with, with thankfulness. Um, you receive Jesus. And so if you follow Jesus, if you receive Jesus, continue to walk in that. So this process of establishing is just basically um, getting built, like learn, getting built. Uh, learning to, to grow in your faith, learning some basic stuff, just like we talked about yesterday, um, a, a communication with God, learning to, to read God's word, hear from God, and learning to respond through prayer and, and have that communication. Uh, there's other um, things that you can grow uh, and get established in. Um, here's a couple books over there. Um, Basic Christianity by John Stott, great book, just to, to, to learn some basics of what, what it looks like to be a Christian and um, of faith. Uh, another great space for this, uh, another great, like some books for this, on establishing as you're growing in your faith are biographies. Biographies are so amazing, y'all. It's like story, like, and here's the cool thing about biographies. I don't know about you, but I like have this per- picture perfect idea of discipleship in a mentor where it's me and my like disciple or mentor person. And it's like this old person, like with a big, long white beard, like Gandalf. And uh, we're like, we're just like chilling and I'm, I'm over at his house and um, it's all the time. And some people have that. I never really got that. I never did. But you know what I got? I got Hudson Taylor guy who died like 140 years ago, um, I got his biography. And I get to sit with Hudson Taylor. And I get to read about his life. And it's almost as good, not as good. I'm sure chilling would be fun. Um, But it's almost as good because I get to see how he lived his life, how he walked, like how he walked through some of the darker parts of his life. And so biographies let you have mentors from all different like places in the world, from all different eras. So get into some biographies. There's some great ones over there. Hudson Taylor's a really good one. I think there's like one left. Get on that. Um, So that's a really good one. And then there's a book called Celebration of Discipline um, by Foster. And that just talks about what it looks like to to build a discipline habit of following Jesus. And so those are great books as you're thinking through the establishing phase. Um, Next phase is equipping. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures God breathe useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the establishing part gets you to be a disciple, a mature disciple, and then equipping helps you become a a DM. Slide into the DMs, y'all. So I asked a dude once what that was, and he was like, disciple master? Like, uh, disciple maker, all right? So just, if you remember everything, I want you to slide into DMs, right? Become disciple makers, not the other DM, all right? Um, Don't look desperate. Uh, So all scriptures, God breathe. We want to get equipped to do this stuff. Um, 
I think of the word equipping. When you think of that word, you think, I think of tools. We want to have tools where we can help other people follow in this. We want tools where we can help other people follow in this. Um, on equipping, um, I think there's, I didn't write anyone down for equipping. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lifestyle Discipleship or The Insider by uh, Peterson. Oof, 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 really good. There's a lot of those. So y'all can all, like, you don't have to fight over them like you're fighting over the Hudson Taylor book. Um, so that's great. And then The Master Plan of Evangelism is just a classic by Robert Coleman. And, and those books will really help you think about how to get equipped to take this message and how to invest in others. And so as you're growing, think about like what that looks like to be um, equipped. Um, and then I want to just point out on 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that the thing that really equips, if you notice, uh, is scripture. All scripture um, is the thing that equips us. And the last piece um, is extending. We want to extend people back in the world. And uh, so we want to make sure that as we grow as disciple makers, we don't just like clump up and, um, and never take this message to anyone else. And so we want to move forward in this. That's a big, broad overview of uh, like we use that a lot as we talk about. And then we think about, so I want to give you just a second, like think about where you're at on that picture. Can you look up there and just think about where are you? Like, are you, are you just thinking about what it would look like to be um, a new disciple of Jesus? Are you just thinking, man, I'm, I'm thinking about like what that looks like to commit? Um, are you getting established? Are you a, at a, like on that process of, of getting established in your faith? Are you thinking about how do I get equipped to share this with others? Think about where you're at. And then I want you to think of who can you ask to help you on this journey? Who can you ask to help you on this journey? So think about that. Is there somebody that you can ask to help you on this journey? And I know there is, because you're literally here. And then the second thing is, who can you invite to be a part of this journey? Cool thing about this little process, no matter where you're at, you can reach back and help someone behind you. You can reach back and, and help someone behind you. And I know that some people feel like, I've got to know it all before I can start passing this on. Let me tell you what, the easiest people to follow aren't people that are two down, miles down the road. They're people that are like a half step in front of you, like a two steps in front of you that you can just easily like track and follow. Um, I don't know if you've ever followed somebody on the road, but I, every now and then I will follow someone in a caravan, and it is the worst because they forget that I'm following them, and they just go through the yellow lights, right? Bye. <laughs> just work on my phone. Um, the people who like stick with you and are just a little bit in front of you. Some, sometimes, so think about that. Like if you're, if you feel like I'm not that far down the road, that's awesome. Turn back and say, hey, come follow me. Find a find a freshman. Uh, find someone who's just kind of new on this journey. Um, so let me say this: discipleship is a long, hard process but it's worth it. And the closest thing that I can compare it to is, um, is raising kids. Uh, and I know some of y'all are like, okay, this does not connect, Brian, so that's fine. Um, when, uh, when I was pregnant, uh, I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> it looked like it. Uh, when I was pregnant, uh, when we were pregnant, team, uh, when we, <laughs> with our first kid, uh, 
texted a few people. Neil was one of the first pe- people that I, I told, and I said, "Hey, uh, we're, we're we're pregnant." Um, I don't know if I told him the due date, but he said, "I remember this. I'll never forget it." He said, "Congratulations! Welcome to the most uh, I think he said most challenging and rewarding discipleship in your life." And he's right. <laughs> it's challenging. <laughs> um, man, it's rewarding helping helping these kids grow, helping my kids grow. It's my, like the kids that they listen and ah, oh, it's so fun. But I would say this, a close second or one A, one B uh, are the people that I've invested in. Man, I, I think about some of the guys that I've invested in my life that I've spent time with. My wife and I, a few years ago, we moved into a house where we could have people live with us. And, um, and so we have right now, Alec is living with us. Madison and Ray just left. They're going overseas as missionaries, whatever. Um, they don't want to live with us anymore. Uh, and, then, and then we got Alec. And, man, just the opportunity, the joy it is to, to help these people grow in their faith. Uh, man, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's like raising kids. Let me tell you about raising kids. So we were pregnant, right? And um, just the process of getting a kid out of your belly is insane. I did not know this, right? Like, I watch movies. I watch movies, and uh, on the movies, you know, you're pregnant, and the next scene, right, like, uh, is it Tiana, Tiana? How do you say it? Tiana? Like, I love that cut, uh, next scene, right? Um, <laughs> this was my expectation. Uh, next scene, you're holding the baby. Everyone's happy, right? It doesn't work like that, right? And I even thought, like, once the labor starts, it'll be, like, go fast, so we'll have to be ready. We had our to-go bags and everything, and... Um, so we had our bags packed and ready, and then my wife started having contractions. And there's like these, like, what do they call them? Like Tony Braxton contractions? Like, um, so, so these, these, uh, these contractions, they're like fake. They're fakers. And uh, so, no, you're not having a kid. So, like, she had, like, a few weeks of those. And then finally, finally is, like, the day. Like, uh, we felt like it was the day. Like, it was, so it was a Saturday night. We're at the mall. I don't know why we're at the mall. It's weird. Like, who does that anymore? And so we're at the mall, and we're, we're walking around. She starts having these contractions, and we're like, oh, go get the go bag. Like, and I'm thinking, like, next scene, right? Cut. The next scene, we're holding our baby. No, 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 no. The, the hospital, we call the hospital, and they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to need you to, like, time your contractions, right? And it has to be, like, a certain amount close for, you, for us to even deal with y'all people. And so they were, like, this far apart. So we're like, okay. So we do the, like, we're, like, in our backyard, like, doing circles, um, trying to, like, get that baby out, like, shake him down, right? Shake that little girl down. And uh, so we're doing circles. Um, and then it's, like, nighttime, and I'm tired because um, it's late. It's so late. So we're, like, hey, let's just lay down, right? And... Um, and I, let me tell you what, it is so hard to sleep when the person next to you is like going through painful contractions all night. <laughs> Can we just think about how hard that would be? Yeah, it's really hard. So, so I, I have a terrible night's sleep, let me tell you. No, I know, we're all like, yeah, you're with me. Um, and so in the morning, um, in the morning we go to the hospital and finally they're like, all right, we'll take you. So this is like Saturday night in the morning. I'm thinking, okay, by the afternoon, right? Baby, holding baby, cut scene, right? So um, 
Like, the doctor starts to, like, deliver. And he's like, he gets a call. Like, and he's like, he gets a call and he's like, he takes it. And he like, <laughs> and he comes back and he's like, hey, y'all. Um, he doesn't say y'all, we're in California. He's like, hey, uh, this is something, I don't know, medical. And he, he says, uh, it's going to be a while for y'all. Uh, is it okay if I go deliver this other baby? So he legit like leaves, delivers another baby. <laughs> and he says the head is turned or something like that. And so um, and I'm like, I don't care. Just bring the baby out. <laughs> so he goes and delivers another baby and comes back. And um, so then he comes back. And I kid you not, uh, after like 30-something hours of labor, he says, you know what? We're just going to have to do a C-section. And I'm like, dude, we could have done this two days ago, right? <laughs> we were at the mall. Like, we could have done it. And so, um, so he's like, all right, um, well, yeah, let's, but I don't, do we have an option? Let's cut the baby out, right? So, um, so then um, my wife, they put her under. She goes to sleep, lucky. And... Uh, <laughs> Cut the baby out like alien. And um, so, so then, then it's just me and a little girl, right? And this was not part of the plan. Uh, so I'm in this room. They said, hey, wait here. I'm in this room, and I'm waiting. And um, uh, my wife is asleep. She's, like, getting taken care of, pampered, right, like the spa. <laughs> um, and they hand this baby to me, and I have no idea what to do because it's team, right? So they give me this little baby, and I see this baby, and the first thing I see, I didn't know this, nobody prepared me for this, but when babies pop out, they are goofy, y'all. <laughs> they are goofy. So they pull this little Benjamin Button-looking thing out, <laughs> and they hand that thing to me. Yeah, some, that's nice, y'all are pretending. And I'm like, here's my first, my, I swear to you, my first statement. I'm like, I don't care what you look like. I'm going to love you the rest of your life. <laughs> I meant it. It was sincere. But they like, they polish her up. She's cute, right? Like, and raising kids is so hard. Like, like we didn't know any of this stuff, right? Uh, she poops, right, for the first time. And it is the weirdest color in the world. Like, I, like, I'm Googling my baby's poop, and, and like, it says colors, right? Like, it just auto-completes, because, like, everyone else is having this problem. Uh, and it's normal. And so we're like, okay. Uh, I didn't know this. Babies, babies have to eat, like, constantly. It's not like breakfast, lunch, dinner, right? They have little tiny baby bellies. You always have to be putting food in them, like, every hour or two or something like that. Um, Babies are hard, and it's a hard process. And then they, like, they get, like, sentient, and that's wild, right? Uh, Then you have to, like, think about how are we disciplining your kid, and how are we, we, like, helping our kid learn, like, what's right from wrong, and oh, my goodness. It's so hard. It's a long, hard process, but, man, it's worth it. I love my little girl. Like, we went camping once, and we matched every single day. Um, yes, we did. Daddy-daughter camping. Um, I, I love my girl so much. Like, it's a long process. But, man, you talk to anyone who's raised a kid, loves their kid, I'll say, it's worth it. I'd do it again.
a million times. Do it again. Um, so we brought one person into our family that way, and then we adopted uh, two kids because that was a bad experience. Uh, so <laughs> we're like, we'll have somebody else do that. Um, so so uh, the adoption process is so long. Um, we, like, we have a lot of friends who went through foster care. We decided to go international uh, for different reasons. Um, but we, we adopted uh, internationally. And to make it a really a healthy, um, good process, it needs to be long because you have to vet the, the families. You also have to vet um, the kids to make sure that they're, um, they need to be adopted because there's a lot of corruption in international adoption. So um, I could talk about that all day. Uh, but we, we went through this process. And so it took us three years just to get to the line um, and we, like, we were open to like, um, like older kids. And so we said kids up to the age of 12. Um, and uh, finally, I remember the day we got a referral. Uh, and, and man, this was like, like, we had to do so much work. We had to get stuff notarized. I don't know if you've ever done that. But then on top of notarized, we had to think, get things certified. So notarized is like saying, hey, are you what you are? And then certified, are you really what you are? So we, like, I had to get stuff notarized and drive to LA to get it certified, and I did that once, and I'm like, from Riverside to LA, no one likes doing that, and I get to LA um, downtown, and they're like, oh, the notaries did this wrong. So I had to drive all the way back to Riverside through two hours of traffic, tell the notary, y'all messed me up, and then they were like, oh, we'll fix it for free. Yes, you'll fix it for free. (laughs) (laughs) So so then, like, I did that twice, twice, twice. I get all the way out there. Uh, anyway, brutal process. Uh, they like I went through like doctor's checks, which I don't go to the doctor a lot. Probably should. Um, told me I need to lose weight. Uh, so, um, so then all that three years later, four years, uh, we finally get a referral. And um, man, once we got the referral, like here's the first picture we ever saw of our kids. Isn't that awesome? They look kind of sad, and I think it's because they have Crocs on. <laughs> So it's like, like a year and a half of, um, of interacting, um, like writing, and a year and a half of waiting. Um, and so they were in an uh, orphanage. They call it a transition home. And we were praying for, for the people there. Um, but then we finally got to meet them. Um, and we love our boys. Like, uh, we, we've, they've been with us for six years. Um, uh, and it's just it's a, it's, it's fun to have that, that kind of family. Um, on the left, you can see, like, we were running one day. And they just came straight from Ethiopia. And um, so they were like, are there lions? And I was like, only on Tuesdays. Because <laughs> I didn't want to run on Tuesdays. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're awesome. They play baseball and soccer. Uh, they're great. I could talk all day about how awesome they are. Um, Simeon plays uh, forward. And he scores all the goals for his team. Um, and Moses plays center back, and he stops all the goals uh, for his team. Uh, but, um, man, we, we love our family. We like to have fun with our family. Um, so, um, so we do, that's like Star Wars. We got Finn and a little Ray. Um, we did Space Jam one year. Uh, Wakanda. Um, I was Bucky from the end credit scene. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I didn't have an arm. Uh, 
covered it up. And then this is probably, and I'll just show you my peak, like where I peaked, and then I've gone downhill from, from this point on. Um, one year we, um, we reenacted the 2009 VMA Awards with Kayler, Taylor uh, Swift. And Kayla <laughs> I did his hair. I did his hair. Really proud of that. Yeah, yeah. You got a little clippers, trimmers, learn how to do it, watch a lot of YouTube. Uh, man, we love our family. I love my kids. And it's worth it. And I would say, when I think about the people that I've invested in, um, when I think about the things that I've done with my life, um, the things that I'm most proudest of aren't, aren't any kind of like work thing. It's it's people that I've been able to invest in. And I think about the greatest joys of my life. And, and Paul says this to the Thessalonians. He says, you are our joy, our crown. And it's the people that I've been able to invest in. My kids for sure, but, but Ethan, Jeff, Luke, Richard. I think of um, Stephen, guys that I've been able to invest in. Man, what a joy. Um, there's a guy named Howard Hendricks. And uh, he was a dude that he was a professor, but he invested in people. He discipled people. And uh, uh, he died a few years ago. He said this before he died. He said, I don't know if you've ever seen a fulfilled human being, <laughs> but you're looking at one. And I want you to know that if I died today, and if you feel honored enough to come to the funeral, don't feel sorry for me. In the first place, I'll never be more alive than I am. And in the second place, it'll be guys like you all over the world, all over the United States, who will say, you changed the whole course of my life. You want fulfillment? You've not experienced it until you've changed the life of another person. That's the name of the game. Um, I don't know what you want to give your life to. I don't know what you want to give your life to. And I don't know what job or career, but let me tell you this one thing. Um, Never associate your identity with your career. And we do this, right? We just naturally, we're taught to do this. What are you? I am a teacher. I am an engineer. I'm an accountant. I'm a, right? We do that. I am a. No, that's your job. That's your job. Regardless of your career, think about what do you want to give your life to? Um, there's a dude named um, Matt Emmons. He was a target shooter in the Olympics. All right, I don't know anything about target shooting. I do know about the Olympics a little bit. I watch it every two to four years. And so he, uh, he was in this Olympics target shooting game. And uh, he needed like, I don't know. I don't know what the number is. Like, I don't know, 40 points. <laughs> Just making it up. Uh, and basically, all he needed to do was hit the target. And he was going to win the gold medal. Um, and so I think it was 2008, maybe. Uh, so all he's got to do is just hit the target gold medal. Big deal, right? Like, has anybody ever won a gold medal? No, I haven't either. Um, so he's lining it up. He sees it. Pulls the trigger. Bullseye. And he's like, got it, right? And then he looks at the electronic display and nothing registers. And he thinks it's broken, because bullseye. 
And then he takes a second look and he realizes he shot on the wrong lane. And that was a shot and he finished in eighth place and no medal. He hit the wrong target. You got one life to live. Talked about it yesterday. One target to shoot at. Make sure you're shooting at the right target. When I think of my life and the guys that I've been able to invest in, and I'm so grateful to God that I've been able to participate in helping other people learn to follow Jesus. And it made sense for me to do it. I love following Jesus. I love following Jesus. And I love helping other people do that. Uh, you're in a great place to, to, to learn how to follow Jesus and learn how to help other people follow Jesus. Let me pray. God, thank you for, for the people that have helped me uh, follow you. Thank you for the guys that you've allowed me to, to have, a, have a voice in their life. Um, not because of me, but because of you. Uh, I, I pray that in this room there'd be many who would, uh, even today, um, just commit to, to being someone who, who helps other people follow you. Uh, commit to, to being someone who makes disciples. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also leave us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.